I am Pastor Gus Rodriguez. I am the executive pastor of the Next Step Community Church. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are so glad that you're here. I see familiar faces that consistently are showing up every single week. I think you have reservations for the seat that you sit in. I can literally close my eyes and know where people sit consistently. In fact, one day I'm going to have somebody else sit in your seat and see how you react to it. <laughs> I've seen people actually pause in the aisle and say, why is she sitting in my seat? <laughs> but that's a good thing. It's a good thing that you allow yourself to become so comfortable and familiar in a place that you realize that we purposely create a space in which you can walk into and feel comfortable. But there's one thing I don't want you to feel comfortable in, it's, it's in your sin. You see, when we become comfortable in our sins, we assume that it's part of our lives to the point where we don't realize that Jesus died for our sins. There is this place that when I arrive at this place, it demands a choice. It demands that I make a decision. It challenges everything that I believe, everything I love, everything I value. It does that because at this moment, I have to consider my next step. For the sake of this conversation today, I'm gonna to call this place a fork in the road. You're familiar with these places, aren't you? Some of you might even be there today, right? You might be in a relationship in which you're expecting change and change hasn't come. Financially, you're trying to figure out how do I make ends meet? How do I use what I have to take care of everything else that I need? Health-wise, you're not sure about what to do next. The doctors are saying this, and they're asking you to do that. And you're not sure. You're unsure, and in these moments, we have to be able to quiet ourselves. Again, I'm not saying if they come, it's when they come, because we all find ourselves at this place, this fork in the road, but we have to make a choice. We have to decide. I want you to lean into your partner next door neighbor and say, choose him. Choose him. That's a big idea for today. In the midst of everything I say, I want you to realize, choose him. Who is him? Choose Jesus Christ. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Choose him. At this fork in the road that I've come to, I haven't made all the greatest decisions. And some of you are sitting here right now, and you're saying, hey, me too. Me too. I think I moved on misinformation. I think I allowed my feelings and my emotions to lead me to take that next step. And I've got some regrets. Now, people want to camp out on a scripture that says, God works out everything for good. <laughs> I'm still suffering the consequences. <laughs> He's worked it out. I've learned the lesson. Won't do that again. But at that moment that I found myself in this fork in the road, I had to make the decision, and I did not have enough information to make that decision. I allow my feelings and my emotions to dictate to me. Now, something about this fork in the road, it's going to provoke you, it's going to uncover, and it's going to discover how you feel about God, yourself, and others. That's what's going to happen at that moment. So I need to be able to, for myself to quiet myself, to, to be still, to allow the, the, the voices of the past that remind me how inadequate I am how I'm unable to do anything but mess up. Come on now. I want to allow that moment to remind me to choose him. When you get at this place, there are two movements that we all make. All of us make this movement. We're either moving towards God or away from God. 
We're either going to move towards him or away from him. The decision we make, the choice we make, is going to reveal something about our relationship with others, ourselves, and God. What we value, what we believe, what we love will come into that moment. And I have to tell you something. If you have a strong belief in the person of Jesus Christ, you will choose him. Because I know what my past tells me. My past tells me I'm incapable of doing this. You need help. And there's nothing wrong with that. I just got to know that I go to the right people for help. And the people who are helping me don't have a personal agenda. People that want to help me don't have strings attached to their help. Come on now. It's important for us to be able to do that, right? The Bible says we need to discern. We need to be able to see. We need to be able to, you know, measure, you know, walk around with a scanner. You know, scan the people that you're interacting with. Because at the end of the day, you have to make choices. And guess who has to live with those choices? You do. I'm going to be reading some stories. And the stories in the Bible, by the way, the Bible's not here to entertain you. It's not here to tickle your ear and make you feel all puffy. You know, you walk around here and you're floating and running through the street. Well, if, you, if you're going to do that, do not wear a Next Step Community Church t-shirt. Okay? Because they're going to think we're dispersing something here <laughs> that we're not. Okay? So just keep that in mind, right? So, so now I, I get to this place where I'm going to have to make a choice, a decision. It's going to move me towards God or away from God. Again, the stories in the Bible are not there to entertain you. They're there to reveal God's heart to us. Amen? So I want us to stand because I'm going to read from a text. Again, we stand just to honor God's word because we realize that God's word is over everything and anything we do. It's Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 to 21. I think it is. It'll be on the screen. And it reads like this. Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Verse 17, why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones? He inquired. And Jesus replied, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. All these have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? And Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And then come, follow me. This is the reading of God's word. You may be seated. Again, this is a fork in the road moment for this young man, isn't it? He's arrived at a place where everything he believes, loves, and values is being challenged. He has shared his resume and his accomplishments with the Lord. He said everything that he's done because he wants to be acknowledged for the work that he's accomplished. We have to understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is not about works, it's about faith. In fact, Thomas, when he was confused about the resurrection of his Lord, made this statement about unless I see and I'm able to touch his wounds, I will not believe. 
When Jesus appears to him, he reminds him, and these words echo through the centuries, blessed are those who have not seen, meaning him, yet believe. This room is full of people who will believe in not having seen Jesus face to face, not having touched his wounds. But there's something about listening to the word of God. The word of God says that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. The minute you hear something, you're responsible for what it says. It's important that you understand that this young man now comes to Jesus, comes to this fork in the road, asks this very profound question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? How often some of us have come to God asking something of him, and then when we're told what to do, we don't do it. I have many instances that I can speak of, but I don't have you know, three hours to do it in. But there are many times I sit and counsel someone about X, Y, and Z, and they leave the room, and I'm so happy because they got it. Like, they got it. They're like, yeah, they're answering correctly. They're doing all the right things. You know, they're saying everything in that moment. And then, a week later, you see them, and they're doing completely the opposite. The Word of God teaches me that I cannot only be a hearer of God's Word. I also must be a doer. And that requires obedience. That requires that I put down my ideas, my thoughts, my feelings, my emotions, and begin to come into a place where I listen to what God has to say. And this young man, in this fork in the road moment, I said there are two movements that we make. We're moving towards God or away from God. Watch what he does. Jesus says this to him, if you want to be perfect, if you want to be great, go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Now, verse 22, it's not going to be up there. Watch this. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. What movement did he make? Was it towards God or away from God? It's obvious, isn't it? You can see when somebody else is doing it, can't you? Huh? It is. It's this movement away from God. Why does he move away from God? Because everything he believes, loves, values, is being challenged. Everything that he feels about God, others and himself, is being challenged. And we have, all of us are going to have these moments. It's not if they come, it's when it comes. You're going to come, some of you are there right now. Some of you are at a place where you have to make a decision, where you have to choose, and you don't have enough information. If you don't have enough information, don't move. Don't do it. You know, do your due diligence. The Bible clearly tells me that no one begins to build unless they count the cost, unless they start to build and then they can't finish it. You ever see that happen? Someone starts to build a building and then all of a sudden they stop and you say, oh man, what happened? They ran out of money. That they had some, some hindrances, right? Some permanent stuff, stuff happening. They didn't count the cost. They didn't do their due diligence. This young man says he went away sad. He went away sad for two reasons. One is he didn't want to give everything up. And the other thing is he wasn't accepted by God on his terms. And many of us think that we're good. And I got to tell you something, none of you are good. 
Your righteousness is like filthy rags before God. He said, what are you talking about, Pastor? I said, you're no good. You're no good. I'm no good. We no good. We're just a bunch of rotten apples. But guess what? God can take ashes and turn it to beauty. God could take the foolish things of this world and dumbfound the wise. God to take a filthy, dirty addict and make him responsible for the finances of a church. Don't laugh. We did that. <laughs> That's what we Take a crazy risk. Amen? There's another story in the Bible that I want to show you also. It's found in 1 Kings, Old Testament, chapter 17, verses 7 through 16. And it says this. Right? It's a story about Elijah. God gives him a word, tells him to go visit the widow in Sarephath. There's a famine in the land. There's some bad situations that are occurring. Uh, but God is a sovereign God who sees all things, knows all things, knows everything about you, knows where you currently are, where you were, and where you're going. And one of the things he does there just moves me because, again, as I read the scriptures, I realize that the God of yesterday is the God of today. And whatever he did back then, he can do it again. And he says this, sometime later, the brook dried up. The brook is just a place with running water. Because there had been no rain in the land, and the word of the Lord came to him. Came to who? Elijah. Go at once to Sarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. I love this because this is God's provision for Elijah in a time where it's just a famine. There's nothing going on. You don't know where is it coming from next. Been there, done that, right? You open the refrigerator and it's like the Hunger Games. There's nothing in there, right? So just be mindful that this is God not only moving on the behalf of the widow, but he's also moving on the behalf of Elijah, right? This is his prophet. This is his man. So his man is not going to lack anything. Right? The, the, the righteous will not be found begging for bread. There's nothing that you will lack. You have to decide whether it's a need or a want. That's all you have to decide. Because I tell you, if you get caught up with your wants, you're going to be crying all day because God's not going to give you what you want. He hasn't come here to make you happy. He's come here to make you holy. And holiness requires chipping away at your character defects, at our sin, at our desire to want to do our thing rather than what he has called us to do. How many of us know that this body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. One amen. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. I'm going to just talk to you. Right? Now, what does that mean? Like, you guys hear that. You hear us speak over here. And some of you, right, you go and you have a meal. You walk out the street and somebody says, hey, man, what was the sermon about? I don't know. I know Pastor Gus told me to shut up my phone. I ain't like that. You need to listen. Your faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. God is telling this man of God, I need you to go here. And Elijah doesn't resist, doesn't say no. He goes. And then he says, so he went to Sarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so may I may have a drink? So he's asking her for water. And she was going to get it, he called. And bring me, please, a piece of bread. This guy's being a little presumptuous. You know what I mean? Like, come on, man. Want water? I give you some water. Water don't cost me nothing, but now you want bread too. Bread cost me something. Watch. As he continues to do this, there's this God is moving. He's doing this wonderful thing here. As surely as the Lord your God lives, this is her, 
And I love it because it's an exclamation points. So there's some there's emotion going on here, right? So if I have to read it, I gotta put on my leg, my hood thing. And surely the Lord your God lives. She replied, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat and die. Woo! Dire straits. Circumstance that it got to the point she's thinking about death. That's her only option at the moment. I'm going to go eat my last meal, feed my son, and then curl up in a ball and die. Fork in the road moment. You move towards God or away from God. Choose him. When you find yourself in that moment, everything you believe, everything you value, everything you love is challenged. It's going to uncover and you're going to discover the truth about how you feel about God, others, and yourself. If you think God is small, then you'll never experience the bigness of God. If you think he can't help you, then you'll curl up in a ball and you'll die. And I don't mean physical death, but you lose hope you wind up not taking that next step. You wind up not moving. Fear does that to us. Our ability to not see beyond the moment does that to us. And that's why I say choose him because he sees the future. He sees you better than you see yourself. He has promised never to abandon or forsake you. He has promised to be your provider, your shelter, your refuge, your strength. He's made promises, and let me tell you something. He is not man that he would lie to you. That's right. person sitting next to you will lie to you. Because we're sinners who sin less. We have to discover and find out why we lie. And there are many reasons why but I don't feel like discussing them right now. <laughs> the point here that if she has a fork in the road moment that is so desperate that she's thinking about her last meal. And look what happens. In verse 12, as surely as the Lord God gives, Elijah shows up and he says this. Elijah said to her, I love these words. Listen to me. Please embrace them. Listen to them. I don't know where you are right now, but listen to what it says here. Don't be afraid. I know that you're concerned about the children, about your relationships. I know you're concerned about your finances. I know you're concerned about your health. I know you're concerned about so many things. And the man of God says to her, don't be afraid. Now, Elijah is not speaking of his own because if you read the story of Elijah, there's a moment in which he gets afraid and he flees. He's talking on behalf of God. And I'm telling you today on behalf of God, don't be afraid. Don't let fear of the unknown cause you not to choose him to move away from him. He tells her this, go home and do as you have said. But first, make me a small loaf of bread for me 
from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. Verse 15. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and for her family. She moved towards God or away from God. She heard the word of God come through the man of God and she obeyed the word of God. Despite the dire circumstances that she found herself in, the desperation of the moment where she wanted to die, she heard the word of God and she moved by faith in obedience to what she heard. By faith in obedience to what she heard. At that moment in the fork of the road, you have to move in obedience. You have to know what the word of God says in reference to your situation. Listen to me, it's, 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 it's that simple. It's not complicated. You know, you make over 2,000 decisions every single day. Some of them are simple and trivial, like what are you gonna wear, although for some people that could be drama. Um, but just what you're gonna eat, where you're gonna go, how, what train you're gonna catch, what road you're gonna, what, you're making decisions involuntarily, you're just moving along, but then they come these decisions. Everything you believe, everything you value, everything you love is challenged. And at that moment, you have to be able to have the information you need, some principles in your life, some values in your life that are going to help you and drive you as you're making these decisions. You know, Jesus had a fork in the road. He had a fork in the road, and um, as I think about it, I think a lot of us don't necessarily realize what Jesus did for us. Like we talk about the cross, and it's, um, sometimes it's so abstract. You know, Jesus died for you. And you're like, yeah, okay, that's beautiful. Like, like we, I don't think that we grasp the totality of what he had to endure in order for you and me to be free. I'm gonna show you a video. Um, I thought long and hard about showing this video because of the nature of it. But I think we've all lost sight of what Jesus had to endure for us. Play the video, please. I saw this movie before it was released in a room full of pastors. 5,000 pastors. And as I sat there, I felt every anguish and every pain to the point where I'm just sitting there and saying, stop. I think we've lost sight of this truth. And for some of you, this might have been offensive. The Bible reminds me that if I offend you to keep you from sinning, then so be it. Because we talk about the cross and lost sight of what had to happen before we got to the cross. 
his fork in the road moment was at the Garden of Gethsemane in which he takes his group to pray, tells them to wait unless they lead, are led into temptation. He goes into the garden and he begins to pray. And his prayer is about just this. He has a fork in the road moment in which he's trying to negotiate with God. And he's asking him, is there another way? Is there another way that I can cover Gus's sin without having to endure this? We speak about Jesus dying for your sins. You think that he did this so that you can go on fornicating? So you can go on lying and cheating? So you can go on living your own life as if that doesn't matter? Your life is not yours. You can make all the plans you want. Unless there's the plan of God for your life, you will do them for nothing. Jesus didn't suffer so that you could forget him. And go and do what you want to do. Your life is not yours. It belongs to him. He died for your cross. He took that. He stared at you when he was being beaten. He stared at me. He says, well, you know, there's grace. He's going to forgive me. Really, that's what you want to live with? You want to go on sinning? Grace is not liberty for you to go on sinning, to go online, to develop your own gospel. Gospel according to your needs and your wants and your desires. Eliminating the most important character in the whole story, which is Jesus Christ. He had a fork in the road moment. He's negotiating with God. He says, now, nah, you know, can you do something else? We find a gold mine somewhere and unearth it. Can you get some oil and give it to, No. His fork in the road moment because he knew what was coming. And at that moment, he utters the most profound words. He says, not my will, but your will be done. How many of us can get to this place, this fork in the road, and come to the realization, it's not my will, it's your will. Show me what it is I need to do. Show me how it is I need to move, where I need to go, what I need to do. Show me to choose you, God. Again, these stories are not here to entertain you. They're not here to tickle your ears. They're here to reveal something about you and me, to hold a mirror to our faces so we realize how I feel about God, myself, and others. This is huge for us. Here at Next Step Community Church, we have some values. And I'm asking you, what do you value? What do you value? If you want to be part of this, I will teach you what our values are. If you take the new class in Christ, which some of you are in now and many of you in this room has taken, but again, everything that we've taught, you're going to get mesmerized with the meatloaf, mashed potatoes, and corn, and you're going to forget and you're going to find yourself in this fork in the road having to make a critical, crucial decision in your life. And you're going to find yourself lacking because you forgot. Here we have values. If you could put them up for me, I'd appreciate them. These are our values. I don't know your values, but I know my values. 
And I know these values because we worked really, really hard on them as a team many, many years ago and realized we have to put this before the people so that they can begin to embrace this truth and this reality that they have to have certain values in their life. You all work for corporate America. And if you know you work for an organization and there are values. There are values that this company has. It may be to, you know, make a lot of money. Whatever it is, they have values. And this is our values. And if this is my values, personally, God is at the top. Without God, I can't function anywhere else. This is what I value. So when I get to the fork in the road, the first thing that I remind myself, is this honoring God or is this honoring me? Who benefits from this? Who benefits from this decision? I used to spend four or $500 a week on clothes a long time ago. My wife put a stop to that. <laughs> now I know about JCPenney and coupons. Like, I know about that now. Right? It's easy to make a decision now for me when it comes to my finances. Why? God. It belongs to God. And then the next one follows. I have a family now. So because it belongs to God and he's given me a family to care for, I don't go spend four or five dollars in clothes, at least not for me. It's my family now. I've taken a step back. Jesus took a step forward because of his family, because of you, because of me. He had values. He had priorities. He realized, if I don't do this, there's no salvation. There's no hope. There's new, new life. Others, others, like really, like, like we live in a world that's so insensitive to one another. Like, like we don't walk across the room and introduce ourselves to people anymore for, and this pandemic has made it worse. Honesty, oh boy, I can camp out on that one. Being honest to yourself about your current reality. We got people that have, have created lives that don't exist. Growth, guys, like really, I, I truly believe that everybody in this room has an opportunity to grow. I always ask the guys that I'm around, I say, what are you reading and how is it changing you? I had a, a, a conversation with my daughter last night and she was talking about uh, relationships because she's in that age and, and, and you know, I was just reminding her, okay, so what are you reading and what is it challenging you to do? How is it changing you? Because if you're just reading for information, great. But if it's not changing you, it's not good. And then finally, health. Now, I've had stopped eating Hagadans, although I loved it. It wasn't my decision. It was a direct result of my, my wife's prayer. Because I was eating a pint of Hagadans every single night. And she walked in one day and said, I'm going to pray they shut down Hagadans. And I was like, <laughs> good luck. <laughs> but um, her prayer was answered in a different way. God made me lactose intolerant. So it worked out. Staying away from the cheese doodles. You got to be healthy physically, emotionally, and spiritually. You can't be healthy spiritually if you're not spending time with God. If you're not in a community that's nurturing and helping you to read things and experience God in a very real way, you can't be physically healthy if you sit on the couch and consume Hagadans and cheese doodles and watch somebody exercising on TV. <laughs> Just doesn't work for you. 
And emotionally, you got to be healthy. Stop crying over spilt milk. Stop crying about what's happened in the past. There's nothing you can do. Listen, you can't fix it. You ruined that relationship. You can't fix it. You, your sorries have run out. They wanted more. You couldn't give more. And now you got to grow up. But these are our values. I have mine. I hope that you have yours. There should be non-negotiables in your life. What, what is that non-negotiable? It's something you're not going to do. And what do we say? No matter what, we... See, everybody forgot. Everybody forgot. No matter what you're going through, you don't pick up. You get to a fork in the road. That's what you're feeling. Your values and beliefs and what you love is going to be challenged. I love my family. I don't want to do anything to hurt them. So it's easy for me when I get to a fork in the road and have to decide whether I get the benefit or they get the benefit, it's a no-brainer for me. It's easy for me to choose. When it comes to others, it's easy for me to choose today. Because humility is thinking of others more than you do yourself. I'm not asking you to think less of yourself, but don't walk around like you're God's gift to the earth. I wanted to use a different term, but it's not appropriate. <laughs> okay, so I want to get out of here, but I want to give you the last part of this. And obviously, you all have a sermon map in front of you that has to be filled out if it hasn't been filled out already. There are five principles for biblical decision making. Five. I'm sure there are many, but these are the ones that I've chosen to kind of help us as we move forward. Amen? We're all going to get to a fork in the road. All of us, each and every one of us, will get to a fork in the road in our lives. Some of you are there right now, and I'm so grateful that you're here. And this is the reason why you have to listen to this, because you're going to get there. You're all going to arrive at this place. And again, it's very easy for us to decide to go left or right, depending upon who benefits from it. We're selfish people. We're selfish people. Unless Christ comes into your life and he blows up inside you and begins to change you, you're going to continue on that route. Why? Because we're selfish people. And it's time for us to realize that Christ, what he did for us, it's not meant for us to keep on living the way we're living. The lives that God is sitting back saying, when is she going to get it? When is he going to get it? So again, when you find yourself, choose him. You find yourself at that place, choose him. Amen? Amen? So values are fundamental beliefs of a person. These guiding principles dictate behavior and can help people understand the difference between right and wrong. Now the difference between right and wrong has nothing to do with your right and wrong. It has to do with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. A long time ago, there was this huge movement, right? It was WWJD. Everybody wore wristbands, bumper stickers, right? What would Jesus do in this moment? I got to tell you, it's not what you did. Not what you did. That's what we have to be able to do with our values. Right and wrong has nothing to do with my lenses. It has to do with looking through the eyes of God himself. And the only way to do that is looking at the pages of the Gospels to see what Jesus did. How Jesus responded. The question he posed, to the, the, the thing he did with this young man where he tells him, go and leave everything, that wasn't him being mean. He just realized that that young man was so caught up in everything he had that he constructed and concocted this world in which he was on the throne. 
And a lot of us feel that way sometimes. We feel like, you know, we're on the throne. This is my life. I'm master of my own destiny. How's that worked out for you? I crashed my car so many times. And no matter what someone told me, I kept driving it. Wheels falling off. I think the greatest solution to fix my car was always duct tape. Right? That's the old Spanish way, duct tape. Come on, guys. Right? Right? If you're over 50, you know what I'm talking about, right? It's like you get duct tape, put the bump on, you know? Just spray it down, it looks beautiful, right? You can't fix life with duct tape. You can't fix life with crazy glue. You, you, relationships that have been severed, you can't fix them that way. These principles are as follows. The first one is, your best decision reflects your values. Your best decisions reflect your value. Like I said earlier, it's easy for me now when I get in a fork in the road and a decision has to be made about me benefiting from it or my family benefiting from it, it's easy for me these days. It's real easy for me. In the past, it was about me. And then God decided with his sense of humor to say, okay, I'm going to give you a bride and I'm also going to give you children. I say, okay, God, that's not funny. <laughs> but there was something he had to draw out of me. There was something that he had to draw out of me, my selfishness, my self-centeredness, right? He had to draw that out of me. And the only way to do that is to make me responsible for others. And you know, your parents always tell you, you're going to know when you have your own kids. And boy, that I know quickly. But once you're responsible for others, once you get in the mindset that you're part of a community, you begin to think differently. Next one is your best decisions are birthed in an atmosphere of prayer. Oh, man. Listen to me. Don't make plans and then ask God to come along with you. He's not a date. <laughs> you have to cover it in prayer so the opportunity when it presents itself, you realize that it's God's leading. Because it's an answer to your prayer. Now mind you, just be, just be aware that how you prayed for something may not be how God brings it to pass. But what you do in prayer is you relinquish your control. You give up your plans. You say, not my will, but your will be done. I go to God and I sit down and have a conversation with him. I say, God, if you can do this, if you can do that, if you can do this, if you can do that. And then I stop and I say, okay, obviously I'm so grateful that you haven't answered any of my prayers. I don't want my will. I want your will to be done. So you have to cover it with prayer. Guys, pray about these things. Who are you going to marry? Where are you going to live? How to raise your kids? how to care for others, how to be part, how to be part of this body in this room. Some of you have been coming around for a while and you just show up on Sundays. There is a life of this ministry that happens Monday through Saturday as well. And God is working in your life and he wants to use you because every gift, every talent, every ability in this room, and guys, all of you in here have ability and talent. And all we're asking as a body, as a church, as the leaders, is to give us some time. You say, well, I got no time. Make time. Next, your best decisions. Heed wisdom from others. I don't need no help. I can do this all by myself. 
I know better than you do. Come on now. All the wisdom I got, 50 years of doing this, I don't need your help. I said, really? How's that worked out for you too? Because the Bible says in the multitude, the multitude, that means if you get around people and ask them questions, if people who have wisdom, now listen, it's got to be the right people. I said that earlier. Someone who has an agenda is not here to help you. They're here to take from you. So you have to be mindful. You have to be wise. You have to discern. You got to say, okay, who can I go to about this? Ultimately, you got to make the decision. Ultimately, you have to make that decision. But at the end of the day, today, I have people around me that care enough about me first to tell me the truth. No matter what it is, because I've given them access to tell me the truth. You see, you can't tell me the truth if you don't love me. Come on now. It's quiet up in here. It's a church. You can say amen, hallelujah, glory to God. Right? Like you can't speak truth to me unless you love me. Because all you're doing is dumping. That's all you're doing. So I've given people access to my life. There's a group of people that fit right in there. See that? Why? Because in order for you to fit in here, I've got to trust you. I gotta trust you not only with me, but with my family. You see, because I'm giving you access. You're coming to my house, you're sitting down to dinner, you're watching me live. So if I give you access, it's like me giving you my credit card. Not a good thing. So again, wisdom from others. Next thing is best decisions take time. Haste makes waste. You rush into it. You rush into it. And, and, and honestly, I just want to put this out there, right? There's this lie, guys, or ladies. There's this lie, right, that, that causes you sometimes to rush in and settle for less. Ladies, please listen to me. Perk your ears up. Listen to me. Because I got girls. I got girls. They're, they're, they're my heart. Um... Sometimes you believe this lie, oh, biological clock is ticking. And you settle. And you hook up with a madman. And madman make mad babies. And you're left now with this mad baby. And your life is not what you want it to be because you believe this lie. Listen to me. I asked this question the other day, and please hear me out. I asked this to a few young girls, including my daughter and a couple of friends that were gathered, and I was listening to them talking. You know, and you know, fathers are busy somewhere, but you know, we're listening, right? Like, like, like I'm busy over here tinkering, you know, making noise, you know, but I'm, you know, I got it, I'm peeping. So I walk over to them and I ask them this very simple question. I said, do you think that being a wife is a calling? I said, don't answer. Just sit with it. Think about it. Because if you believe that it's a calling, you would approach marriage differently. Because there is a preparation for that. And no different than husbands. But wives, look, I, I rejoice and honor. My wife is on a pedestal. She is the greatest thing. She sliced bread. 
I'm experiencing that now as I'm living like, like alone for a little while until I hook up with my family again. Um, um, I don't know how to do laundry, so I'm dropping it off. Like, she's got that. You know, dealing with, you know, my kids are grown, and, and I watch her talking to them, and I say, you got it, go ahead, I'm going to step back, I'll listen. If anything's out of line, I'll jump in. Like, simple things like that. Meals. No, the last three weeks, I've been eating from Trader Joe's. Like the frozen suction in Trader Joe's have become my friend. Even when there's nothing on the shelf, I'm like, hey, can you stock the lasagna, you know, the meat lasagna? Like, I want to have that tonight. It's important for us to understand, guys, all this in life, simply to say that it takes time. And time is something you can't get back. You have to be patient. You have to allow God to move things out of the way, to clear the smoke so that you can see clearly. If you don't, if you rush in, you'll regret it. And finally, your best decisions are committed to God. God, this is for your glory. This is for your honor. I want to bring this to you. I don't want to proceed without you. Guys, it's not if we're going to find ourselves in the fork of the road. We will find ourselves in this fork in the road where we have to choose. My prayer as a direct result is that you choose him. My prayer as a direct result of what we've experienced up until this point is that Jesus not only was nailed to a cross. In fact, as I see the story, for me, that would have been a relief. That would have been a relief. It's like, just, just hurry up and kill me. Because I, I just can't anymore. I can't endure anymore. But he did what he did for you. And no matter how bad you are, you're loved even more. So I want you to keep that image in your head to realize this is real. Like Jesus did this for me. He came to this place in his life where he tried to, you know, cop out, and it was like, nah, I'm not built that way. Yeah, I'm not running. There are too many that count on me. There are too many that I'm responsible for. So not my will, but your will be done.